0: Good afternoon, and thank you for enjoying it with the six pack. The six pack, the only podcast that's bringing you the top stories in Wisconsin sports every single day. Plus, we do it in less time than it takes to complete your afternoon commute. I'm your host, Kedrick Stumberus, and we you can follow me on Twitter at Kedrick Stumbris and all the podcasts at Scotty six pack to get the latest updates in Wisconsin sports. Of course, today, this one coming to you a little bit later than usual, giving it to you just in time for you to listen to it on your car ride home. As opposed to when you're starting the day, getting ready for work. You know, maybe you're turning this on uh, on the way home from work. Maybe you're making dinner, getting ready. But we got all the same stories as we would yesterday, but was on a late night flight overnight from Scottsdale, Arizona. Now we're sitting here back in Milwaukee, back in the good old Badger State, where the Milwaukee Bucks are the number one overall seed in the NBA playoffs for 2023 and have clinched so with a pair of games to go last night with a 105-92 victory over the Chicago Bulls, in which the Bulls led by 10 points in the third quarter, but Milwaukee fought back, got the win with a really solid three-point shooting performance leading the way, team shot just over 39% from beyond the arc, and the Bucks really put on a solid rebounding performance, grabbing 15 more rebounds than the Bulls, despite Chicago attempting nine fewer shots than Milwaukee, and the Bucks grabbed... Eight more offensive rebounds than the Bulls as well, really doing a great job on the glass and uh, from beyond the arc, doing it all without Giannis Antetokounmpo, Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton, and Chris Middleton for most of the game, uh, and we'll get to the Middleton injury a little bit later as well. Uh, Bucks had some really notable performances, uh, like Bobby Portis, who led the team in scoring with his 27 points including 13 rebounds, with two offensive rebounds in there as well. Uh, On the broadcast, it was noted that uh, they talked to Bobby before the game, and he wants to win sixth man of the year, obviously. Uh, And of course, I've made my feelings very clear on this podcast that I believe he should win the sixth man of the year award, uh, even though I don't think he will due to the injury earlier in the year. But uh, also, funny enough, Bobby Portis... Let the folks know on Twitter that he got a random drug test after the game tonight. You know, having 27 points, 13 rebounds last night. One day after, he finished one point shy of a 2020 game against Washington. Just really great performance. Bobby Portis proving once again that uh, random drug tests aren't so random. But uh, Drew Holiday also had a great performance with 20 points, 8 rebounds, and an astonishing 15 assists. Just dishing out there 15 assists despite also having seven turnovers on the night uh including one really weird one in uh the fast break offense kind of just sending it above uh brooke lopez's head uh, outside of his reach which <laughs> looking at how large Brick lopez is uh i did not know that you could send anything out of Brick lopez's reach um uh, but that's just two rebounds shy of a triple double there for drew that is 20 points 15 assists eight rebounds So in the last two days, Drew Holiday was three rebounds short of back-to-back triple-doubles. Of course, having just nine rebounds in that impressive performance he had against Washington just two days before. Really, really solid stuff from Drew Holiday finishing up his all-star season. And then I also wanted to know Joe Ingles, who had just nine points in 24 minutes, but grabbed a rebound, three assists, two steals, and a technical foul after making... Uh, a three. He was three of seven from beyond the arc last night, and I thought the tech tech was uh, an interesting thing to bring up because immediately after Joe Ingles got teed up uh, for getting in the face of Patrick Beverly after draining a three out of and Joe Ingles did this talking sauce to Patrick Beverly right in front of the ref, just really not 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 a smart way to get a foul, and the game was close at the time too. Uh, it led to a point where, you know, the game was tied, or maybe even uh, the Bulls led by one at a point immediately after the tee, and you look at it and you're like, oh, well, you know, this this wouldn't be a lead for the for the Bulls right now. This game wouldn't be tied. The Bucks would be ahead right now if it weren't for this technical foul by Joe Ingles. And at the time, game looked questionable. You're not playing with a lot of your top players, a lot of your top pieces. And despite that, immediately after Joe Ingles gets teed up, the broadcast starts talking about Joe Ingles, and how great it is to have a great decision-maker on the team. Uh, that's which, what the Bucks want to have, even though he's not as athletic as Joe Ingles used to be. It, it's kind of interesting. I'm not disagreeing that on the court, Joe Ingles is a great addition to the team. He's a great decision-maker. He's a great playmaker around the court. But really interesting time to say what a great decision-maker he is after getting a pretty unnecessary technical foul. Um but coming out of the game, of course, as I mentioned, you know the Bucks being without a lot of their key pieces was also Chris Middleton, as I mentioned earlier on, and he exited the game early in the first quarter after landing a little funny after a fadeaway jumper. But he didn't immediately exit; stayed in the time, stayed in the game after a timeout, even, uh, but eventually left during the first quarter. And the Bucks announced that he would not return. Uh, as for the severity of the injury, uh, Coach Mike Boonholzer did not have updates immediately after the game. Typically, he does not. Uh, but it was noted that this is a re-aggravation of Chris Middleton's right knee soreness. And that's something that he has dealt with most of his career. Of course, he suffered a meniscus injury on that knee in college at Texas A&M. And noting that it is his right knee as opposed to his left knee that Chris Middleton was rehabbing earlier in the season. So, while, it's not a reaggravation of an injury that has had a more significant impact on Chris Middleton's availability this season. This does mean he's got, you know, a, a couple of ginger knees right now. So it's a little bit tough. and the Bucks have injuries stacking up on the wing overall right now. Uh, Coach Bud couldn't immediately confirm if Chris would sit out the rest of the regular season being the final two games against memphis tomorrow night and then against uh, at toronto on sunday uh, but he bud did note pre-game that grayson is going to be out for the remainder of the regular season he has not been as clear as to the status of pat Connaughton. Uh, of course grayson allen and pat Connaughton both suffering from right ankle sprains at the moment uh, but despite these injuries stacking up in the wing it's great that the bucks are going to get some time to rest uh, folks with injuries, folks with some knee soreness a la Giannis, a la Chris Middleton, and then get the eight seed out of the play-in tournament to begin the first round of the NBA playoffs. So the Bucks are going to have a lot of time here before they really have to deal with all this, you know, two weeks before the Bucks have to start playing meaningful basketball again. So we're going to continue our trend of starting as far east as we can in Wisconsin and then start moving west out from Pfizer Forum to American Family Field, where the Brewers win again yesterday. And the Brewers are fun again yesterday. Uh, Brewers swept the Mets with a 7-6 win. That's three wins in three days for the Brewers over the New York Mets with their ridiculous, ridiculous payroll. And that win was powered thanks to a walk-off home run by Garrett Mitchell, hitting his third homer in just two days. He led off the inning in the ninth, tried to show Bunt, trying to get on base with Bunt, and got behind 1-2 in the count, so he had to resort to swinging, and swing he did, just blasted one out to right field, and this was a really great, fun back and forth game, the game was tied 4-4 by the end of the third inning, and of course, you know, those four runs allowed in three innings by the Milwaukee Brewers means that Corbin Burns had another tough start, uh, and, has yet to get a win in his first two outings, had uh, the one loss against the Cubs on opening day, and won no decision now. And Corbin Burns was responsible for all six of the Mets' runs in this game, got just over four innings of work, and uh, allowed seven hits and two walks and a hit batter, in those four innings so really really tough overall only three strikeouts also allowed two home runs I think there's genuine discussion to be had about how much I think the pitch clock is affecting Corbin Burns in particular earlier on in spring training he said that he was having some trouble uh, between you know spring training and simulated games leading up to spring training said that he was calling a few of his own pitches to avoid issues due to shaking off pitches. Of course, Corbin Burns using the pitch comm system for a lot of last season and now making use of it still. Uh, but Corbin Burns has a 9.64 ERA through his first two games. You know, he had just absolutely no runs or in the first game. Uh, just, just tough going overall. But yeah, you hope Corbin Burns is going to bounce back. You'd imagine that he is. And this isn't going to stick forever, but just a couple of two tough first performances out the gates for uh, the crew. But then we had some other pitchers getting really great work from Peter Strizlecki, Matt Bush, Devin Williams, each uh, pitching shutout innings, having really great stuff. On on the offensive end, Yelich, Christian Yelich, went over three. Tough day for him. Over three with two strikeouts. He did get on base with a walk and score a run. Uh, but the kids still look good. Bryce Tarang cooled down, going 0 for 2. But he and he came in later in the day with Owen Miller starting at second base, uh, and Joey Wiener went 0 for 4, but had a three-run home run in the second inning. So really, really good stuff from the kids. Still, Bryce Tarang, of course, starting super hot, cooled down a little bit uh, in yesterday's game. After just some phenomenal performances, uh, Joey Weimer and Garrett Mitchell, of course, continue to shine. Just really, really great stuff. And you hope to see uh, Sal Frelick up up here soon, showing off his bat as well again. Uh, Brewers off today, as well as the Milwaukee Bucks. So no action here in Milwaukee overall. Uh, yeah, but the Brewers will open a three-game series this weekend at home against the St. Louis Cardinals. Those games starting tomorrow evening. Uh, I think I'm probably going to all three of these Brewers games this weekend. Should be exciting. I think my plan was maybe to go to the Bucks game tomorrow night instead for the home uh, regular season finale. But it looks like these tickets are going to be a little bit pricey for what I would like to pay for what's going to be a meaningless game for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, although I'd like to get that, you know, Ray Allen mystery bobblehead don't think that's gonna happen but you know if I am going to buy tickets for the Bucks game and I'm definitely going to buy tickets for this uh, Milwaukee Brewers game on Saturday and Sunday otherwise I'm gonna get all those tickets on Tick Pick where that's gonna be the best place I'm gonna get the price for these Milwaukee Bucks tickets without a doubt and this is not an ad Tick pick is just a service I love and I want you to save money on your next ticket purchase so when you use TickPick, you will never pay service or delivery fees like you will on any other ticket-selling apps, and it comes with TickPick's best price guarantee. If you find a better price somewhere else for the same ticket, TickPick will refund you twice the difference in credit toward your next purchase. Plus, if you use my link in the podcast description, you're going to save $10 off on your first order. So get out there. Get out to a game this weekend. Walkie Burrs have a big series uh, this weekend against the Cardinals as the Brewers are all alone in first place. Cardinals just coming off getting swept by the Atlanta Braves. So, it would be really great for the Brewers to win some games here against the Cardinals this weekend, build a lead on St. Louis early, and start uh, getting to the ballpark, cheering for the team, uh, make some noise, and get them going. You know, maybe maybe fake out some of these Cardinals pitchers uh, with, with a fake pitch clock countdown. Get them get them hurry a little bit. So, uh, aside from the... Exciting news for the Milwaukee Brewers in this sweep over the Mets. Also had some little bit of downer news as we get a not-so-great update on Aaron Ashby's injury. Aaron Ashby, of course, the left-handed pitcher developed through Milwaukee's farm system, quickly ascending to be the top-ranked pitching prospect for the Milwaukee Brewers. And the Brewers had really high hopes of him staying in the starting rotation this upcoming season. But now uh, he's out until at least the late part, the back end of the 2023 season. Ashby had a shoulder injury that he suffered, uh, that he had been rehabbing throughout spring training. It was noted before that he was probably going to be delayed into this upcoming season. Thought that he'd be back around May, but now he's going to need surgery, arthroscopic arthroscopic surgery on that uh, shoulder, on his throwing shoulder. So that's really tough for him. Uh, the Brewers, tough for them as well because Brewers had just signed Aaron Ashby this offseason to a deal through 2027. And now we're probably going to end up seeing Ashby on the shelf for much of, if not the entire uh, season this year. So, so tough for Aaron Ashby. Fortunately, it looks like the bullpen has looked really solid so far this season. Of course, you got Devin Williams and the Airbender. Looking really, really solid in that closer role for the Brewers. Peter Streslacki has been phenomenal. Uh, also developed all the way up through the Brewers farm system as well. You know, Brewers making great use of that farm system. Can't say enough. I noted this on Twitter. Uh, you could follow me at Kedrick And uh, Just the amount of guys on this roster, these young guys, these exciting guys, not even all of the young guys, Cor- like Corbin Burns included, Freddie Peralta included, uh, who have been just developed up through the Brewers' farm system, you can't say enough about this Milwaukee Brewers' roster and its quality without mentioning the developmental work that has been done in uh, Carolina, Wisconsin, Biloxi, and uh, Nashville for all these guys to get them up here. So as we continue our trip further west, we're going to talk about Noah Reynolds, who has actually announced his commitment to play basketball at the University of Wisconsin. We noted Noah Reynolds, probably on the verge of announcing that commitment on a previous episode here where we talked about him wiping his Instagram clean of his affiliation with the University of Wyoming, where he used to play, where he is transferring uh, to Madison from, and following all of the guys on the Wisconsin basketball roster following a visit that he took to UW. So Noah Reynolds officially announced his commitment to play at Wisconsin and it's a really great get for the Badgers. uh combo guard who can create his own create his own op- scoring opportunities create his own shot off of the bounce off of the bounce rather uh he averaged 8, 8.1 points 1.6 rebounds 1.3 assists and one steal on 35.1% shooting uh from 3 with his 42 games in Wyoming so really great stuff from Noah Reynolds, of course, the only concern with him being he suffered three concussions in a span of six months. And so he missed most of this season with Wyoming. But now the Peoria, Illinois native is transferring closer to back home. And it should be, you know, a good fit for Wisconsin, I think. Badgers needed someone else who can go in and create their own shot. They have they did not have that guy on the roster this year. The closest thing you saw to that was Chucky Hepburn. But he's a really, he's a solid distributor. He he can play the ball well, but he's not a great on-ball, attack-the-basket guard. Uh, Noah Reynolds is something closer to that. He was a volume shooter at Wyoming, and so I think it'll be even better having him complemented by some of these positional pieces that can play really well in system around him at Wisconsin. I think he should be a solid fit, We'll see how well he does. Um, Greg Gard, so far, has been really solid in his transfer portal additions to this Wisconsin roster. Of course, Chris Vogt was an indispensable piece to the Wisconsin roster as they went ahead and won themselves a Big Ten title with him. Mike Potter was the exact same thing, uh, exact same, really, really great addition to the, to the roster. Max Klezmit burgeoned from Wofford into a starting caliber player in the Big Ten. Uh, at Wisconsin. Even Kamari McGee came into his own a little bit more as the season went down this this year, although I think we expected a little bit more from Kamari. But overall, really solid additions for Wisconsin through the transfer portal, and you hope Noah Reynolds can be uh, that next great thing for the Batchers to, to go ahead and get. So really exciting addition to the Wisconsin roster overall, and we'll see what he is able to do. He's going to fill a an important scoring role for Wisconsin. And even though he will likely be coming off of the bench, I think it's going to be an important piece to, to spark Wisconsin off the bench because the best thing you had from the guard position for that for Wisconsin this year was Johnny Dave, or sorry Jordan Davis. So a Noah Reynolds for Jordan Davis kind of swap seems like something uh, that is a good trade in my opinion. Uh, So Noah Reynolds will have two years of eligibility remaining, so we'll see him in Madison this upcoming year and the year after. So let's top off the six-pack here with our final story of the day, and that is Daniel Freitag, who we're going to talk Minnesota and California, so all the way out west. Daniel Freitag is the top recruit in Minnesota for both basketball and football. Top-ranked recruit in basketball, top-ranked high school recruit in football in the state of Minnesota really tremendous athlete. He's been the top priority in the class of 2024 for great guard for a number of years now. And he was even offered a scholarship by Luke Fickle about a month ago on the football side as Freitag's football recruitment has heated up a little bit more. He has expressed interest in playing both football and basketball in college. You know, I don't necessarily think that is uh, super possible in these days, particularly, particularly for a guy who wants to play point guard at the high major level. But the important thing to note, the news coming yesterday from Daniel Freitag, is that he is transferring high schools out of Minnesota to Southern California Academy. It's a great prep school. It's associated with the Nike circuit, which always makes it harder to pull you know those guys away to an underarm school like Wisconsin. But the notable part is that Southern California Academy does not have a football team. So Freitag is foregoing his senior season of football and will be just playing basketball. Freitag did say when he made this announcement that he still has interest in playing football at the collegiate level. Uh, You know, this was just the better move for him for whatever reason he felt. Uh, But I think it gives us a little bit of insight into what he is focusing more on playing in college. So We'll see where this goes for Daniel Freitag, if Wisconsin is able to nab him still in the recruiting class for 2024. But I think this gives us a little bit of insight into, is he thinking football? Is he thinking basketball? I don't think anybody really thinks that he can do both, but we'll see what he decides to do overall. Uh, I wrote about Freitag getting a uh, scholarship offer from Look, Fickle, just under a month ago today, that was on March 7th, so today's April 6th, uh, and I'll link that here in the podcast description if you want to read a little bit more about Dana Freitag's recruitment. But that is all for today's edition of the Scotty Six Pack. Follow us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast to start every day with everything you need to know in Wisconsin sports. While you're there, leave a nice review, five stars, kind comments, tell some folks what you like about the show. Helps us grow the show and allow me to produce even better content for everyone. If you want to join me at some games this weekend, uh, tomorrow night I will probably be at the Brewer game sitting in the Left Field Loge Bleachers. Those are the Miller Lite landing deck level. And get your ticket and get a free bucket hat. Free bucket hat every Friday home game that you sit in the Left Field Loge Bleachers uh, for the Milwaukee Brewers, courtesy of Miller Lite. Uh, But that's probably where I'll be. If you want further updates on where I'm going to be, uh, come along and say hi. I always post where I'm headed to uh, around where I'm seating on my Twitter account. That's at Kedrick Stumbrus. And again, thanks for listening. I've been your host, Kedrick Stumbrus, as I said, uh, on Wisconsin.